Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us on From Lab to Launch today. I'm Kelly from Qualio and your host on the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and give us a review on Apple or Spotify. Also, if you want to be on the show, fill out the application linked in the show notes. We've had a lot of people reach out from all over the world, and we love connecting with you. We love stories of innovators who solve problems with creative thinking. Today's guest, Arika Savitskaith, is a registered nurse and has been championing helmet-based ventilation. We'll let her share how she got involved in that, but helmet-based ventilation is a great alternative compared to intubation and face masks, which each have their drawbacks. She actually has a great infographic comparing the different ventilation options that we'll link to in the show notes. Helmet-based solutions had a big impact during COVID-19, and we'll get into that as well. All right. Thank you, Arika, for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Kelly, for having me here. I'm happy to share my story. And I hope uh, it's going to reach a lot of people around the world and we will learn something new that is actually life-saving devices. It is indeed. So tell us how you got involved in helmet-based ventilation. So as you mentioned, I'm a registered nurse. Actually, I'm also a nurse practitioner. So I was studying at Rush uh, where I finished master's in science and nursing degree. And in 2014, I worked at the University of Chicago hospital in the medical ICU. And during that time, Dr. Bhakti Patel started a study where she used the helmets to provide non-invasive ventilation for patients in ARDS. So ARDS is an extremely acute disease that the patients usually end up on a ventilator and to recover from it is a very long process. So what she did, she actually uh, used the face mask for one group of patients and then used helmets for another group of patients. And during that time, like I said, I was working as a registered nurse there. I was also a patient care manager and saw these patients during the study. And when I was studying at Rush for my master's degree, I did uh, choose to write a capstone paper about the patient who used that helmet for non-invasive ventilation. So again, that was all the way back there. Then in 2014-15, and the paper got published in 2016, and everybody was amazed to see such great results for the patients who used helmets. Then nothing really happened in U.S. because helmets usually are used in Italy. They've been used there over 20 years. And the reason why is because we didn't have so many intensive care units at that time. So physicians were looking for uh, something easy to apply for the patient and something that can anyone to manage to prevent anyone to get on a ventilator or get to the ICU. And this is where we saw a huge benefit of the helmet. So it's been used, like I said, over 20 years. And that's where the idea came from, to use it in the United States. The study was done published in JAMA paper, very well taken by all the other colleagues. And then in 2020, 
when the pandemic started, this is when my husband and I decided to spread the awareness about helmets and uh, actually let the physicians know that this device is available in U.S. and can be used for COVID patients. Also, his uh, sister helped us to set up the PR, set up the website, and like you mentioned, the infographics, which are so easy to read and for anyone who's seeing helmet for the first time, infographic is a good tool to use to understand what is it for and how it benefits the patient. So this is when we started the helmetbasedventilation.com. And uh, finally, in uh, August of 2020, two helmets uh, were approved by the FDA to be used for patients in the ICU settings in the United States. So that was a huge achievement. So during that time, what I did, I actually connected with a lot of manufacturers, uh, connected with medical engineers who were designing helmets and make, you know, starting to manufacture them actually in the United States. So it was a very interesting time. I really recall like it happened yesterday when I talked with the NASA team who also developed the helmet, you know, I gave him my feedback based on my medical experience with these helmets. So it's uh, really uh, interesting connections, interesting people that I met, and I'm still doing it. So right now I have a course that can teach all the clinicians. I'm talking about respiratory therapists, nurses, and physicians about this very simple device uh, that will help them actually to, you know, to shorten that learning curve. Because as you know, even if it's so easy and comfortable thing to use, you still have to learn, right? That's very exciting. For those who don't know, can you explain a little bit about how helmet-based ventilation works and how it's different from traditional ventilation methods? So as you probably know already, non-invasive ventilation been used for many years. And what we are doing usually, we're putting the face mask on the patient. So the face mask is just covering your nose and the mouth. And then the machine, it can be ventilator or a BiPAP machine. It actually blows the air into your mouth, in your face and nose. And this helps the patient to increase the amount of air that we can breathe in and also prevents the lungs to collapse when patient is exhaling. And face mask, everyone knows. Usually if you see anyone on the non-invasive ventilation, this is what you see, a patient with a face mask. Now, the helmet looks a little bit different. Well, as you know, it's a helmet, so definitely it, it, it covers the whole head. But the nice thing about the helmet is that nothing is touching the face, all right? So you creating that seal around the patient's neck. So just imagine like a turtleneck. So this nice soft silicon seal around the patient's neck prevents any air to escape. And again, you increasing that air pressure in the helmet, and it's usually oxygenated air with the pressure. And that same pressure from the helmet ends up in your lungs. So that again, it helps your lungs to stay more open and prevents from collapsing. And this is very important for patients who have any inflammation in the lungs. Because when the lung tissue is inflamed, 
when it collapses, it's very hard to open it up. And what happens, you're actually losing that lung surface that is so important for the gas exchange. And this is where the other problems will start. This is where you need more oxygen for the patient, where you need to ventilate them faster. So to prevent from any complications and to give that patient more time to heal or more time for other therapies to start working, this is when non-invasive ventilation is very helpful. And then definitely, if you see that nothing is helping, you will end up intubating the patient that means connected to the mechanical ventilation. And the, the difference now, like I said, between the mask and the helmet is that helmet is not, nothing is touching the patient's face. With, with the face mask, to create that seal that I was telling before that in the helmet is around the neck, with the face mask, you have to actually push it against the face. And it is very painful, especially if you're holding it for more than eight hours. Some patients end up failing non-invasive ventilation, not because of breathing issues, but because of that facial pain. Also, patients develop the skin necrosis or skin breakdown where the face mask is touching the face. And, you know, if you, if you apply all physics and, you know, pathophysiology and everything, we know that unfortunately there is no way we can create the face mask that is perfect just because that pressure no matter, you know, what kind of material you will use, still the pressure is not going to go away. And that's what will cause this skin breakdown. So this is where helmet comes in to help these patients to use non-invasive ventilation for longer periods of time. That means we have better chance to recover without getting intubated. And also, it doesn't matter now what shape of your face is. It doesn't matter if you have facial hair because, you know, with the face mask, if you're going to try to put that on a person who has a beard, it's going to be a lot of ear leak. Or older patients especially who are much thinner, have less subcutaneous tissue in their face, and then also many of them are missing teeth. So again, Put that face mask on these patients, it's going to be very tough. Also, I heard some surgeons are using for their patients who had facial surgeries and who have some issues with breathing after surgery. So again, application is very wide. In Italy, like one of the first studies that we published about helmets was where they used it in the ambulance. So again, that tells you how easy it is for the patient and for the operator, in this case, the paramedics, to apply uh, non-invasive ventilation in an ambulance. So that's the benefit of the helmet. Ah, definitely. And in the, in the age of COVID, I would imagine too, the protection for the ambulance technicians, right? If you're bringing somebody in and think maybe they have COVID, there's some protective element to them too, because it's able to contain the exhale breath better. 
Yes, you you said it right, Kelly, because what happens when you don't have that ear leak around the next seal, right? On that expiratory port of the helmet. Again, helmet has two ports. It, one is inspiratory. That's why you have that oxygenated air coming through. And then expiratory port, this is where you apply a filter. So antibacterial, antiviral filter that's going to filter out pathogen that patient has. In this case, we can talk about COVID and also applies the PEEP valve. So this PEEP valve, this is a device that you can set the pressure. That pressure that I was talking about that will help to keep this lungs open when patient exhaled. Exciting. So to continue on the whole COVID topic then, how did the the helmet-based ventilation go as far as adoption, progress, changes that were made, et cetera, during COVID? It's been now, what, over two years, and uh, some countries adapt helmet faster than others, and I'm learning why. I'm not sure if that's really the main reason, but I noticed that, that countries who don't have so many intensive care units may really care about non-invasive ventilation early in patients who have COVID. So they apply helmet uh, CPAP therapy as soon as possible, and that uh, gives them a better chance to avoid intubation and to avoid ICU. So that helps also to save ventilators for patients who really need it. Like I said, helmet can be used without the ventilator. I don't know if I mentioned, but you can just apply simple gas flow or Venturi device and uh, here we go. You have a non-invasive ventilation without using any machine. So those countries, like for example, in Brazil, they also developed their own helmet. They used a lot to transport patients from the periphery to the cities, to bigger hospitals. And the adaptation was really high and the, the response from physicians was great. In India, they're also using helmets now. And the only positive feedback from the physicians in South Africa, we're using helmets. And in Europe, now not just Italy, but also uh, Spain, France, UK, Portugal, Sweden, Lithuania, other countries are adapting this interface. Another thing is to, to mention is that the, the first year of COVID, Italian government actually prohibited any export of because the uh, main helmet uh, manufacturers are in Italy. Unfortunately, a lot of countries were not able to get this device. And uh, now what I'm thinking about, I think it's, uh, it did a little damage to the awareness of the helmet-based ventilation. And uh, also because these helmets are such a high quality, we also have great teams behind the helmet who can teach these physicians to use it for the first time and succeed faster. So right now, these helmets are available all around the world, including U.S. It's FDA approved. So I think it's like at the second wave where the helmet awareness and also adaptation is going to be on a rise. Exciting. How do you see this technology evolve in the next five, 10 years? As I mentioned, first time I saw a helmet in 2014. So we didn't have COVID then. Every time now I talk about the helmet, I always say for 
COVID and non-COVID patients. So I can see it's going to be adopted slowly, but we will see more and more helmets uh, around the world. And it will depend also on these physicians, clinicians, uh, nurses, respiratory therapists. We need more champions who are not afraid to use something that is so simple and that works. One thing I uh, also realized during that time that I lived in a a little bubble (laughs) because what happened, I worked at University of Chicago medical uh, ICU, you know, all the university hospitals are very proactive and we are always doing some type of studies. We always exploring other uh, options out there, other innovations and trying to adapt that. So this is what I was thinking that all other hospitals in the U.S. will do the same. Unfortunately, no, you still need a a really strong team behind any new device that you wanted to adapt in in your facility because education is a must. And that's, again, I learned that many times when even I do any training via Zoom, I can tell that no one read any notes (laughs) <laughs> it's just very disappointing, but at the same time, we know that there is a lot of workload for clinicians at this moment. And, you know, the burnout for clinicians is uh, on the rise. And I totally understand that to start to learn something new is very hard. It's very time consuming. But what I want to say, the helmet actually, when you start to use it, it's going to save you more time. And I'm talking about all the clinicians, respiratory therapists, nurses, and the physicians. And for the benefits that I mentioned before, a patient can stay, use the non-invasive ventilation without interruption. Only minimum interruptions can be done. And as a nurse, I know how much time it takes to reapply that face mask on a patient. Every time you do the oral care suction patient or give them food, where with the helmet, you know, has a special addition access uh, ports. When you get to the patient's face to provide the patient care, you just close the port and it deflates in seconds. So that saves you a lot of time. So again, the physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, they spent a lot of time on managing non-invasive ventilation. So this is where helmet interface can actual, actually lower that workload. And we could all use a little bit of that time back. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We've had several nurses on the show who are inventors and entrepreneurs as well, which totally makes sense because nurses are at that point of care and interacting with patients, you know, probably more than clinicians, if we're honest. How do you think that nurses can get more involved in the innovation and feedback process of healthcare? Well, I feel like in the U.S., nurses have very strong voice. I don't know if you have a chance to read my whole bio, but I came from Lithuania and I worked as a nurse in Lithuania before coming to United States. And it's like a day and a night. The differences are huge. How nurses are independent profession from 
clinicians. We collaborating with other professions in the medical field, and we are very proactive. We can do studies. We can, you know, create our protocols. So in the U.S., I feel it's it's happening as we speak a lot. Now is the question: Will the other hospitals adapt what the their colleagues already did another hospital and learned that it works. Again, not always we have to re-innovate the wheel, but I feel like sometimes if we use more of innovation that is out there, we actually, and uh, we have a better imagination and we may, you know, develop something new out of it. So it's always on a progress. So again, if you don't have an, something new to apply at your work, at your facility, see what others are doing. Try to follow them. And you never know what's going to come out of this. You may notice something, some problem that you will know the answer to. And here we go. You are entrepreneur. And, you know, you at the same time, you're saving patients and, uh, you know, improving the nursing care. You could go back and tell yourself something at the start of your career. What would that? Well, what I knew already that I'm going to be a nurse since I remember myself. So there was uh, no question about it. definitely. And I feel like I did a lot of good steps in my life and per year to be where I am. And also back in 2014, when I chose a patient on a helmet for my capstone presentation, I think that was a very uh, bold move because when I did that presentation, a lot of people were very skeptical about that and uh, why not? So again, put yourself out of the, that comfort zone as much as you can. Definitely you want to educate yourself and do the research to make sure that you know what you're doing. So I would say to myself, I could put myself out of that comfort zone more often in the past. So yeah, that, that would be maybe one of the advices. Well, that's, that's exciting. And, and that is an interesting talk about a, a divergence in your path, but what a great one. Where can people go to learn more, follow along and connect with you? So helmetbasedventilation.com is a website. It has a lot of educational material. Also, it's a blog. So I always post any news or any interviews that I have. And all the contact us page, I will always look at the emails and follow up. Also, I'm on LinkedIn as a Aurika Guide. This is where you can find me and the Facebook. These are the main platforms that I'm using right now. Awesome. Thank you, Arka, so much for your time. It's been fascinating hearing about your journey. Thank you very much, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.